Everyone enjoying the new year so far? That was horrible. Not a good year, I guess. Well, anyways, last, last week was a, a great service where we had 13 people take a step towards baptism. I hope that you're here. It was a great service. My name is Steve Blummer. I'm the pastor of Family and Adults here at Hope Chapel, for those who don't know me. And uh, last week, I had a little bit of time in the message, a little devotional. We talked about the story that follows the birth of Jesus, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he's not a Baptist by denomination. He's not like a Southern Baptist, Conservative Baptist, so on. We just give him that name because he was known for baptizing people. All right, people were coming to him. They were identifying with his message as a personal repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and people were being baptized to identify with that message. And we talked a little bit last week that that message is still a message for us today, a personal repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But even John the Baptist said that there was going to be one coming after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he pointed out Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. And so today we have not only repentance away from sin, but we can turn towards God through faith in Jesus Christ. Our salvation message for us is grace by faith through Jesus Christ. And just as there was an urgency with that plan of salvation in John's time, there's an urgency for us today for that salvation message. See, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him three days later after he died on the cross for our sins, you will be saved. And that salvation message has been freely given to anyone for over 2,000 plus years. That's amazing. Well, one of the messages that stuck out with me during the Christmas Matters series by Pastor Neil was this idea that Jesus needed to become human in every way in order to redeem humanity in every way. See, Jesus was born as a baby because he wanted to experience humanity in every way. Jesus wanted to know what it felt like to cry in order to communicate his felt needs. Just think about God coming down in the flesh, and the only way he can can communicate is just like any other baby had to communicate, by crying. So did Jesus cry as a baby? I'm sure he did. He had a cry to say, I need to be fed. He cried to say, I need to be changed. He cried because there's a bug on my head, and I can't reach it because I can't move my arms yet. He cried to be over, be moved from one place to another, cried to be picked up. I would imagine that Jesus was a pretty good baby and took it easy on Mary and Joseph, but he was still a baby. He had to experience what it felt like to be helpless and to be at the will of another person. He was certainly humbled. And another example we see in the story life of Jesus, that he was a human in every way, was when he was baptized and what followed his baptism. We get to see that Jesus was tempted by Satan. Jesus was tempted by Satan. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all talk about this temptation of Jesus. Only the Gospel of John, for some reason, doesn't even mention it. But Matthew and Luke go into some great detail about those temptations. So this morning, I want us to look at those temptations, look at his baptism, and then we'll draw out a few things about our own temptations and how we can have victory over temptations in our own lives. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 3. There's also Bibles in the chairs in front of you or underneath you. You'll find this on page 869 in those Bibles. It'll also be up on the screen for you as well. We'll look at a few verses in Luke chapter 3, and then we'll jump over to Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 21. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. I take delight in you. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of, and it goes on to talk about his lineage leading back to Adam and the son of God, showing he was the son of man and he was the son of God. Let's jump over to chapter 4. Then Jesus returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being acclaimed by everyone. Now, when we read through the temptations of Jesus, it seems that Jesus so easily defeated the temptations of Satan. And some say, it was too easy for Jesus because Jesus was God. Of course, he's not going to fail in these temptations. It's like giving a college grad a first grade math test. Of course, he's going to pass, right? But in passing the test, we get to see some of the schemes of Satan and how to have victory over these temptations. Because Satan wants to attack you to destroy God's will for your life. And we get to see how to have victory over those temptations. One of the reasons you can have victory over temptations is because you are chosen by God. I want you to notice that God said to Jesus, you are my beloved son. I take delight in you. Now, why did God delight in Jesus? Jesus had not really done anything yet. Did he take delight in him because he was just his son? Well, maybe, perhaps. But this is a reference to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. And in that passage, God declares that he has a servant who will bring justice to the nations. And when we look at that passage in that verse, he says, I will take delight in my son, not because he is my son, but because I chose him. That's what I want you to hold on to, because he has chosen him. He goes on to say that because I have chosen him, I will strengthen him. Because I have chosen him, I will give him my spirit. See, Jesus had not done anything to deserve God's delight. 
He had not done one single miracle that we know of yet. He had not proclaimed a sermon on the mount, any great message that we know of yet. The only thing Jesus had done was to humble himself to be a baby, to grow up in a Jewish home, to be trained like any other Jewish boy in the community, to be baptized by John the Baptist, be identified with his message of personal repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's the only thing Jesus was willing to do was to be a servant. And for those of us who have already accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we've humbled ourselves. We said, I can't do this on my own. I need God. I will be your servant. I will follow after you. And God said, I have given you the right to be called my children. You are my son. You are my daughter. I take delight in you because I have chosen you. In Ephesians, it says that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Jesus said to his disciples, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And because God has chosen you, he doesn't want you to fail in your temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what's common to man. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to withstand. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond having an escape route. And I think some of us need to embrace that grace this morning. Some of us need to stop thinking that we're not good enough. And that we're always a failure. That we're not smart enough. We can't serve God. Because God wants you to have victory in your life. He says, I take great delight in you. I will strengthen you. I will give you the Holy Spirit. In love, he predestined us to be a child of his. We can't. Think that we can't get beyond this temptation. The temptation is too strong or I can't get past this addiction or this stronghold in my life. We've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who descended on Jesus when he was baptized is the same Holy Spirit that lives within you. God says, I take delight in you. And all we need to do is simply humble ourselves And say, I will follow after you. I will follow your commands. I will seek to be obedient in your leadership in my life. And that's all we need to do before we are able to have victory over temptation. In order to have victory over temptation, we have to have God in our lives. Another thing that stuck out to me was this idea that Jesus fasted for 40 days. And it was said he was hungry. I would imagine that Jesus was pretty hungry after 40 days. I'm hungry after about four hours. But why did Jesus fast for 40 days? Was he saying in order to have real victory over a stronghold temptation in your life, you've got to fast for 40 days? Well, fasting for more than just a few days is not common. I think Jesus fasted for 40 days because he needed to. He was not a normal human. He was also the son of God. In order to know what it felt like to be a human in every way, he needed to know what it felt like to be weak and vulnerable. So he fasted until he was hungry, until he felt weakness, until he felt vulnerability. Jesus wanted to know what it felt like to be a human in every way. That's why in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knew that temptation is strong when we are weak. When we are weak, we are vulnerable. 
And Satan, he loves to try to attack you at any time, but he knows that if he can whittle you down little by little, that he can have more of a success when you're vulnerable, when you are weak. And there's a lot of different ways in which we can be vulnerable and we can be weak. Some of those are we can be physically exhausted. We can be emotionally discouraged. We can be mentally bored. We can be spiritually depleted. We can be relationally alienated, personally insecure, secretly bitter, or deeply wounded. And anytime you combine those two together, you are in danger of temptation. You're in danger of being attacked. And last year we did a series called Transform, where we looked at seven key areas where you need to be constantly transformed. Those were in your physical life, your relational life, your emotional life, your mental life, your financial life, your vocational life, your spiritual life. You need to be constantly being transformed in these areas so that Satan does not have an opportunity to attack you. Satan knows that if he can just keep you up night after night after night, that you will become exhausted and you won't see him coming. He knows that if he can distract your spouse or maybe irritate your ex or bother your boss, he knows that it's going to discourage you. It's going to disrupt you. It's going to deplete you of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think about it when temptation was so strong in your life. When was it that you just couldn't bite your tongue and keep your mouth shut? When was it that it was so hard for you to get up and open your Bible and to spend time praying to God? It's when you're tired. It's when you're exhausted. It's when you're alone. It's when you're discouraged. And that's when Satan says, I got you. Got you right where I wanted you. Last week, I shared about some of the things that's going on in my life this past year. A couple years ago, we we brought in two foster kids. We went from two children to four children. One of them was a nine-month-old and we were not ready for another toddler in our home. It's exhausting. And we spent the last year and a half renovating our basement so that we can keep the two foster kids until we get a chance to adopt them. And it's exhausting. It's physically exhausting. And what I discovered is that over the summer, I really came to a point where I wasn't reading God's word. I wasn't spending time in prayer. And I really didn't have any desire to either. I was being spiritually depleted. I was emotionally discouraged. And I was personally insecure to where I thought, I'm not even qualified to be a pastor of family and adults. What am I doing here? Maybe I should go find something else. Do you see how Satan can work us little by little by little, wearing us down? He he wears you down little by little as well. Because it's not like Satan comes to your door and says, hey, I've got a temptation for you. Are you ready? You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Bring it on. And he says, here's the temptation. And you go, no, no thanks. He said, all right, I tried anyway. See you later. That's not how Satan works. In verse 13 in chapter 4, it said, the devil, after he had finished every temptation, departed from Jesus for a time. He comes back. He attacks Jesus over and over. He had to constantly battle Satan's schemes and temptations. Even while he was on the cross, people mocked him. Oh, if you're the son of God, come down off the cross. He could have at that moment said, I'll show you. I'll bring my angels down, and you'll see that I'm a son of God. And that's what some of us want to do. We cross the line saying, oh, you pushed me too far. I'm going to show you I'm right. You're wrong. And Jesus didn't do that, even with the temptation. He knows that temptations always minimize the real negative dangers and maximize the imagined positive 
benefits. Temptation always minimizes the real negative dangers and maximizes the imagined positive benefits. If you can defeat a temptation, you won't commit the sin. There's always a temptation before the sin. Temptation tells you, look at all these positive benefits. All those, those dangers, they're not real. That's not big of a deal. Just think about all the positive benefits. And that's what Satan did with Adam and Eve. They, they were told not to eat this fruit in the middle of the garden. And Satan says, oh, no, when, when you take that, you'll be like God. You'll know right and wrong. And so then Eve looked at that tree again with this new lens, this new perspective. And it said that it became pleasing to her eye. And she took hold of it and ate it and then gave it to her husband who was there with her also. It was appealing to her eye. That's why Satan took Jesus up on a mountaintop and he said, look at all these kingdoms of the world. Wouldn't you like to have this? He was hoping to tempt him with something with his sight, power, and possessions. And often our temptations are stronger when we begin to give the temptation a second look. We give it a third look. We stare at it a little bit longer. We began to imagine situations in our mind. What would it be like? What would it be like if I was the boss? What would it be like if he wasn't my husband? What would it be like if I had that job? Or what would it be like if I could look like her? All of these temptations play in our mind and it's when we grab a hold of that temptation and we sin do we find out that that sin now grows into a complex situation and it really only brings death into our life. We've minimized those real dangers and we've only processed the imaginary positive benefits and things never turned out how we imagined them. So what's the solution to temptation? Well, we find in each of these examples that it's the word of God. The more you know about God's word, the quicker you'll see a temptation to sin. The more you take time to understand what God has to say, the more you'll be able to discern what the truth is. See, temptation always breeds doubt about the word of God and the character of God. Satan said to Adam and Eve, Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He wanted to make God look like he was cruel and mean. How could God do that? not allow you to eat from any tree in the garden. And Eve said, oh, no, we, we can eat from any tree except for the one in the middle of the garden. We're not supposed to eat or touch that tree lest we die. Do you see how Eve also didn't clearly know God's word? She added, we're not supposed to touch it. God said, don't eat from the tree or you will die. He didn't say anything about touching it. You need to clearly know God's word. If you don't clearly know God's word, you're in danger of committing a sin. You've got to clearly know what God says. Satan will tempt you. Did God really say that? Is that really what he means? He'll say, does God say that your wife isn't supposed to work outside of the home? Does God say that you'll, you're not a good husband if you can't provide for your family and your wife has to work? Does God say that you shouldn't use any forms of birth control? Does God say that you should tithe off of your profit, which means not your income, after your bills? Is that what God says? Does God say that 
sex before marriage is wrong, but I've already been married and now I'm divorced. Is it okay for me to sleep some, with somebody? Because it's not sex before marriage. I've already been married. Does God really say that he's going to send people to hell? Does God really say that marriage is between one man and one woman? What does God really say? What did he really mean? We need to know the answer to those questions. We need to know those things so that we don't have to wrestle with these questions in life and miss out on God's blessings for us. Satan wants you to stay away from God's word. He wants you to stay away from God's good and perfect plan. He wants you to think and doubt that God is good. He wants you to doubt that God even cares about you. He wants you to doubt that there even is a God in existence. Know God's word. Because Satan knows God's word. Right? We see that Satan responded with God's word against Jesus. He's no dummy. He's read the book too. Do you know God's word? We also need to see how Resisting temptation prepares us to have a greater impact for God's kingdom. Resisting temptation prepares us to have a greater impact for God's kingdom. We see that Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit and news spread throughout him, through all the vicinity he was teaching in the synagogue. Can you imagine the ministry of Jesus if he had failed in temptation? Would he have had such a great impact? And we know people who have failed in, in temptation and failed in some way and has hurt their ministry. Their ministry would have been greater if they had not failed. But just because you fail doesn't mean that God can use you. You can fail and God can use that into a ministry for his glory. So we can't get upset with ourselves when we fail in a temptation. We all are tempted and we all fail. But we just can't give into those temptations so easily. We have to resist them. And in resisting temptation, we could do so by being filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing more of God's word. And when we do that, we'll crush Satan's attempts to have power in our life for at least that one day. And when Satan is diverted, we can begin to focus on what is it that God wants me to do? What are the things that matter to God? We can resist Satan and give him less power in our lives. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. He will flee. You can return in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But you and I have been robbing the Holy Spirit's power in our lives because we have allowed temptation just to run its course so quickly and not keep it in check. We focus so much on the here and now. What do I need to do now rather than on the eternal things? Temptation has robbed us of the power of the Spirit in our lives. And I think it's time for us to take that back and to tell Satan to go away. I'm not going to allow you to have power in my life anymore. Some of us, we haven't seen eternal fruit in our lives for so long, and it's just because we've not kept temptation perhaps in check. But taking power away from temptation is not going to be easy, but it can be done. Remember, God is on your side. He doesn't want you to fail. We don't see in the passage of Luke, but in Matthew and in Mark, we see that the angels came to Jesus after he was tempted and to serve him. That's because being tempted is taxing on you. It's exhausting. It's depleting. And you and I have to constantly be filled, spending time with God, spending time with the Spirit. You can't just spend time with the Spirit once and for all and you're done. 
You're going to be depleted, just like you're driving a car and you have to stop and get more gas in your gas tank. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You won't come to a point where you're going to lose the Spirit, but you need more power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have church every Sunday. We don't have church so you can say, well, if I miss this week, I can go next week. I'll be good. We have church every week because you and I need to be encouraged from one another every week. That's why we have small groups. Because sometimes you need a midweek booster. And you need people to pray for you and encourage you and spend more time in his word. That's why we encourage you to get in accountability groups or to find a mentor. We need each other to battle against Satan. I know some of you have been pretty knocked around this past year. And I want to encourage you to, to say... I don't want to have Satan have any more power in my life. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. What do I do? I want to encourage you to first to, to take an honest look at your devotional time with God. How are you really doing spending time in God's word, spending time praying with him? How are you really doing? That's just between you and God. Be honest. How are you doing physically? Are you exhausted? Not sleeping well? Maybe you need to eat better, exercise a little bit more. Maybe go talk to your doctor. Hey, I'm not sleeping well. What can I do? How can I help give my body the energy that it needs to spend time with God and to keep my mind very sharp? How are you doing relationally? Maybe you're relationally alienated. You're by yourself. You're discouraged. You're kind of depressed. You're all alone. Maybe... You just need to stop binge-watching all the Netflix shows and just say, I'm going to spend time with my spouse. I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going to call a friend over and play a game, something. How are you doing mentally? Are you just bored and you're not really challenged mentally? Maybe you need to pick up a new hobby and do something with your hands to keep yourself occupied. Find something that may interest you. Maybe you could try to see if you really know Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer by memory. So when you find your mind getting idle, you could say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your... I don't remember anything else after that. So then you can go to the Bible and look at it. Challenge your mind. Challenge your, your memory. How are you doing emotionally? Have you been really deeply wounded and this has really have a stronghold on your life? Maybe you need to go find a counselor to talk with. There's no shame in finding a counselor and talking with somebody about those things. Maybe you need to find some good resources about some of the subjects that are really wrestling against you. We talked about Right Now Media. There's over 10,000 videos on there. Watch some of those. Talk with someone. Call somebody up. Hey, I need you to really hold me accountable because I have this line of thinking that really gets me down, gets me discouraged, and I need you to tell me that's not true and stop thinking that way. I don't know where you're at or what's going on in your life. But I kind of want you to join with me in saying, Satan, you got me. You got me good. But I don't want to give you any more power this year. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to live differently. And I'm praying that God would be able to use me in a different way this year. I'm praying that God would be able to use you in a unique way this year. What would it look like if the power of the Holy Spirit was really here in Hope Chapel? What would it look like? for you at your workplace or in your marriage or in your children or in our schools 
What would it look like if we truly walked in the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm excited to see what that may look like. Ken's going to lead us into the Lord's Prayer, into the Lord's Supper and communion here in just a moment. It's an opportunity for us to think about what Christ had done. It's also an opportunity for us to to check within ourselves. How are we doing with our relationship with God? And have an opportunity for you to, to talk to God about those things. So let's pray. God, we thank you for knowing that Jesus was tempted just like we are tempted. We get to see some of the schemes of Satan, see how he works, how he tempts us with things with our eyes, things that may be appealing to us, things that are appealing to us when we're weak and vulnerable. God, we know that we can have victory in our lives over temptation because you are in our lives. You don't want us to fail. You have given us the tools in order to succeed. You have the Holy Spirit living within us. God, forgive us that we have been robbing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives by not checking temptation at the door and just allowing it to to run its course and allowing us just to look at it and view it and imagine it. Just think of how good it may be. God, I pray for us in 2017 that we would just know your word more. We would know it better so that we can know when a temptation is striking and we could tell Satan to, to go somewhere else and he would flee. God, we need your help in order to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.